making sure this thing's on because I woke up on this morning. Church, I feel good. I, I um, very thankful for that, that video, James Walker. It's always good to have somebody to stand in your corner, you know, when the chips are down and it seems dark and you think, you think there's no one there and somebody reaches, reaches down and says, hey, come here. I love you. And uh, that's what Pastor Walker did. He's a good man. He's a really good man. And this church um, has been the pinnacle of, of my healing. And um, I'm thankful for this church. Uh, thank you, uh, Pastor uh, Shannon and Sherry McCready, for loving me and uh, for me to be able to see this day again. I'm very blessed. I'm blessed. Thank you for all my friends that are here. I'm sorry I couldn't be here uh, at a, at a, prior to it, but I, I'll, see you, I'll see you in a minute because I don't know. It's hard for me to see who's all here, but I love you. I love you. Alton, I love you. Uh, so Sh- Sherry um, McCready has been a huge part of of this journey of me just wanting to tell, you know, my testimony. And, um, and so what she did was she, she, she sent me an email and she said, hey, just, just write down, like, you know, what you'd like to say, what, you, what you'd want to say. So I sent her a bullet point. You know, I just sent her, like, six things. <laughs> she, she wrote back, she was like, no, like, more details. And I'm like, well, that's not how I work. You know, I just, I just roll with it. You know, she said, Grady, and if my friends know this, and if you don't know this, uh, if you sit down with me for a one-hour lunch, it turns into a two-hour lunch because I like to talk a lot. And, um, and so she said, you jump on some rabbit trail and never tell the story, you know. So, um, so anyway, she made me write it down, and, and I have agreed to, to read this to you. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, all right. So have you ever felt that your life belonged in the city dump? In 2004, I'd find myself in a place that belonged in the city dump. Not by one person, not by one decision, but by my own choices. Walking away from the call, ministry, and family, my life would become very dark quickly, almost if a light switch was turned off and the bulb was removed. I know nobody in here has ever been there, so uh, this is new for you. So, Spending several years in ministry, traveling to over 23 different countries, building orphanages, training pastors in third world countries, and holding crusades, building great relationships, fulfilling the dreams and visions I had as a child. All of this would come to an immediate halt when anger was building inside of me from a previous pastor. I was hurt deeply by him. And instead of trusting the Lord to bring change and healing, I took it upon myself to destroy everything around me from the inside out. Sometimes we make poor choices. Anger takes over. The spirit of vindictiveness takes over. And you become destructive. That's where I was at. I was wanting to stab back at what I saw was being stolen from me. A desperate man will do desperate things, even when it becomes self-afflicting. After the abandonment of everyone and the sin, I rolled over in the dump and thought, why am I even here? I started to started to hear the voice of hell say, you're finished, Grady. Ministry is over. Family no more. Your son will be ashamed of you. Marriage is done. You'll become the compost of hell. And all I could think about was run. Finish it. Do the world, do the city a favor. As I left at midnight with 13 trash bags in the back of my pickup truck, 
a gun lying in the seat. I drove to the French Broad River, contemplated suicide. Not sure how I even got here, but I found myself on the doorstep of my father's house. As I rung the doorbell at 7 a.m., he opens the door with tears in his eyes and says, son, don't say a word. God woke me up at 3 a.m., and I've been praying for your life. I entered that house knowing I'd been received by a real daddy. The sound of son was the most beautiful sound, felt as if God himself spoke to me. How many people know there's no other feeling than to hear the voice of a father or a mother say, you don't have to say anything. They see the hurt and the pain in your eyes. It tells the truth. A real mom and daddy can see their children in all that rubbish, trash, and the leftovers. It doesn't take a trained eye to see what a father can see. The one thing I've learned in the past seven years is that your children are your children. If they're an adulteress, murderer, quitter, failed, or drug addict, drunk, they're still your child. Feeling like, feeling like failure and, and no one wanted me anymore. There was a daddy standing at the door. God loved me through, through my father that morning and for the following years. He literally nursed me back to life and through all the pain, hurt, and rejection, with, I, I wouldn't have made it without my dad. Time would pass. One of the ways my father helped me is when he approached a prominent pastor in the area to reach out to me, Pastor James Walker. He stepped up and to become a mediator for me, my former pastor, and my ex-wife. When absent parties wouldn't meet, he recommended that I find a church. On his recommendation, I landed here at Highland. I showed up at the first service, and I've been here ever since. I'm like a bad penny. I'll just show up. I'm so grateful for this church, the truth, the, the realness, the rawness, how organic it is, the passion that comes from the staff and the, the people that serve, the transparency, and most of all, the love. I remember the second Sunday I came to church here, I approached Pastor Shannon and said, if you don't want me in your church, I'll leave. He said, nope, we need sick people too. Thank you for accepting me, loving me, the imperfect one. But there's more to my story. My dad hasn't always been my hero. In fact, just the opposite. My dad was a wild one. I love you, Mom. My dad was a wild one, bootlegging in the 70s, truck driver, mean son of a gun, Tennessee stud he would prefer to be called. Things at home were always interesting. My dad would come off the road, sleep for days, and when the monster awoke, he would reach for the bottle, drink a fifth of Jack, and the beast would come out. Verbally and physically abusive to my mother and I, it was, it was never good enough. You can always do it better always to find something out of place, and praise was with a belt. It's the reason I went in the Marine Corps in 1990, not because I wanted to become a United States Marine, but to get away from him. I still chose the Marines over any other branch because I knew it wouldn't be good enough if I didn't, if I didn't become the best. How many times have we pushed away from a father or mother and still with hurt and pain, we continue to do things for approval? It's like the guy who goes out, gets drunk to hurt the other person and ends up hurting himself. That was me.
I didn't tell my parents about the Marines. They found out the day before I left for boot camp. <laughs> That's classic Grady right there. <laughs> Didn't I, Ma? This is crazy. My mom was so mad at me. You forgive me, right? This is, this is about forgiveness. Forgive me, right? Yeah, I, I didn't tell my parents about that I left for boot camp, but a mother, not very happy, heartbroken, but I knew it was time to make my own way. I think my dad was a little angry, but thought, ah, he'll make it. I didn't have a choice whether I was going to make it or not. I had to. My first letter home from Paris Island, South Carolina was, Mom, come get me. <laughs> I hated that place, man. Sand fleas and heat. My, my, my dad would return back to God in the mid-80s, but still held on to the hurt and pain. E even going to church with him didn't take away the pain. He continued on after a massive heart attack in 1993. Truck driving was over. He gave the rest of his life serving at Mission Hospital, over 13,000 hours in the heart tower at Mission, praying and ministering to people. God took a monster, turned him into a minister. Years would pass. I finished the Marines, pursued ministry. Church became my family. Still, with the hurt and pain, I just put it away in that box padlock never to be open again my dad and I were on speaking terms but the wedge of my childhood was there and no one was going to pull it out in 2001 I was at a men's conference a guy by the name of Fergus McIntyre he prophesied over me and said that I had unforgiveness in my heart towards my father and I need to get it right I remember leaving that conference as I drove up Saluda Mountain and I felt God say, I want you to give your car to your father as an act of forgiveness. My car was a prized possession at that time. It was the nicest car I've ever owned, and God's telling me to give it to my dad. I didn't understand that, but I did. And, uh, but my dad was shocked that I would even do this. I, ne I never told him the reason I gave, him, gave it to him. And if anyone knows my dad, he sure could pimp it out. My... My dad was a, was a man who had been forgiven much. The man that met me at the front door on the darkest day of my life was a man who had been set free, and he knew a way to freedom. What I found is that forgiveness isn't for the other person, it's for you. If you've truly forgiven someone in the past, forgiveness will remo remove all the hurt and the pain of the past. It will absolutely go away when you forgive. The scars are still there. It's the tattoo of the past, but the sting is gone. Oh yeah, there's those moments when it resurfaces, but it's not that we haven't overcome it, it's the reminder of what's been defeated. What's harder than forgiving someone is forgiving yourself. This wouldn't happen for me until September 2012, feeling like I was nothing more than the scraps, thrown out to the curb, feeling God would never use my voice again, bookshelved, and put away. Inadequate would become my team jersey. Heck, I wasn't just on the team, I was a team captain. For the past seven years, I've served in the quiet, helping where help was needed, being a support to my church, a weekly reminder of the journey, but stillness was becoming comfortable. Traveling halfway across the country with Greg Peniston was enough punishment for any sin. Where's, 
<laughs> you, you buying my breakfast tomorrow, Greg, somewhere? <laughs> I'm sure he's still wondering what he did to deserve that. Thank you, Greg, for your friendship. Sitting in church in September last year, I started to feel this welling inside of me. It became so uncontrollable. I began to feel the stirring that was deep down in there. And as I looked at my wife and said, we need to leave. She didn't know what was going on with me. We left church that day, went to lunch. I couldn't stop crying. Couldn't, couldn't stop explaining to her what was going on inside of me. And after eating, after eating lunch that day and returning home, I said, I know this sounds crazy, but man, there's a fire burning deep down inside of me. I don't know what to do with it. God's screaming, let go, Grady. Give it to me. I was holding on like a stink bug on a screen door. <laughs> I just had to let it go. Finally, 100%, I knew forgiveness was for me. Hearing the voice of God say, no more pain, no more rejection, no more hurt, Grady. You're covered by my blood and redemption is for you. As, as my wife looked at me as if I had two heads, which she often does, I said, I said, baby, I know this ain't the man you married. I said, but I feel like I've been lying on that cold steel floor, that train I wrecked, to look over and see an amber that was burning deep down inside of there and to hear God say, Grady, is that not me inside there? I said, yes, Lord. I looked at my wife with everything in me and I said, baby, you better grab the shovel and throw some coal on the fire because the thing that's burning inside of me is so big, fan the flame. I knew that day that I was set free. I knew that day that I'd been, that I was redeemed. I knew that day that I was justified. I knew that day that I was a true branch of the true vine. I knew that day that God himself, the child that he said that I was, I belonged to him. I knew that day that I was, I was not just belonged to the kingdom on that day, but I knew that I was adopted in before creation. And as, as, um, as, as this thing has unfolded for me, it's, I mean, the journey is just crazy. I've got thousands of stories I could tell you um, of, of different parts of this journey for me. And, and I want to say this too, church, just so, you un, un, so we're clear. If, if I have offended you, if I've done something to hurt you, I'm sorry. You know, if you're one of my friends and I've done, I'm sorry. And if I haven't offended you, I will. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and for everyone in my past, if they're watching this video or they're watching live right now, which I'm sure there's a few people that are, I'm sorry. I truly am sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I am sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry. But I am free. I am free. I am free. <laughs> Man, I tell you, church, whoo, there he is. <laughs> so here we go. All right. So, whoo, man. Mm. Started reading this thing in Zechariah 9. It said, as for you, and because of the blood of my covenant, and with you, I will free your prisoners from that waterless pit. Man, it's been a long seven dry years for Grady Shope. Waterless, not knowing where to go get a drink. And to know that I, that I was drinking, drinking, trying to find the approval of people. Try, trying, to, trying to, hey man, will you be my friend? 
would, would, would you just love me? And for God to say, hey man, come drink from the living well. And for God to say, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore back twice as much to you. And I will bend Judah as I bend the bow. And I will fill it with Ephraim. And I will rise, I will, I will arouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make them like warrior sword. And man, you know what this says to me? Everything that was stolen from me, because of my choices, my sin was my choice. No man made me do it. No person made me do it. I take 100% of the blame for my sin. But I'm going to tell you, God said, hey, everything that was taken from you, Grady, I'm going to give it back to you. Not two times, but he gave it back to me three times. Because in 2004, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I had nothing to show up on a father's doorstep and to, and to be broken and to contemplate suicide and run and think that, hey, Asheville, Asheville doesn't need me. I don't belong here. God, no, 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 no. I didn't hear your voice. And, and to want to run and leave, want to kill myself. And God said, hey, man, everything that was taken from you, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to turn your son back to you. I'm going to give you a wife that'll back you in every storm. And I'm going to give you two girls. They, they, don't, they just don't want to love you, Grady. They need you to love them. I remember my daddy said to me, when, I, when, when Sean and I were hanging out, we were just for friends. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, Sherry, man. You know me. I just got to talk, you know. He, he, said, he, said, he, he said, Grady, he said, well, that's a nice girl. He's like, What's wrong? I said, I said, ah, Dad, you know, man, she, she got two kids. She don't want to have kids no more. And he was like, well, you got a kid too. I said, like, you're right. He's like, you know what? Those girls need love too. I said, you're right. And I, I look back over how God has put this thing together for me and to give me life again. And, and to let me be able to hear that voice. And it was in September last year that I began to hear the sound of those living waters. And, it, and it's, it's building inside of me. I mean, I don't know if you can feel me, but if, you can, if I could hug you, I would squeeze you hard enough, you would feel me. But it's so big inside of me that I want to be able to display to you that God loves you. He forgives you. He, he, is, he is forgiveness. He took my sin, he, he took my, my, my anger and all the destruction that I did and he nailed it to that cross and it was done and it was finished. And it was finished in 2004 when I was in the midst of it. It was done. And, and, and to think that you think that life is over, you think that, you were, that you're a leftover, you think you were thrown out to be rubbish, mm. And you, and you think that no one wants you. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, hey, you know what? 
I, I feel inadequate. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I belong. I want to run. I want to finish it. I want it, to, I want it to die. I want it to be done. And God says, uh-uh, mm-mm, it ain't over. The last thing my father said to me on December the 8th, I mean, on December 26th, 2008, the last, the last words he breathed out of his mouth, my wife and I standing in the room, he looked up at me. He was a, he was a big man. He reached up, threw his arm up, grabbed my arm, and pulls me down to him so I could hear him. And he said, son, if you're breathing the air of this world, God's not finished. Immediately, the bells went off. They shoved me out of the room. Doctors, nurses, chaplains standing out in the hallway. I knew what happened. He was gone. But my dad held on for that moment to give me the, the decree to live again. And I'm telling you today, church, that if you're here, and you are, and you're breathing, God's not finished. God's not finished. My story is not about what someone did to me or what I did to someone. My story is about redemption. My story is about a, a, about a son who, who was so angry at his father for so many years for the pain and the suffering that as a child that he put us through. My sister and my mom, I mean, we, we had to live in that mess. And you know what? We, we didn't get thrown out one time. We didn't get thrown out two times. We didn't get thrown out three times. We got thrown out four times. My mom, when I was in the second grade, took a dresser drawer. Now I know y'all can't believe that I was that small, but it was a big dresser drawer put a blanket and a pillow and laid it beside a twin bed. Laid there, rubbed my head and, and, and said, son, I'm sorry. As we laid in this rinky-dink hotel room. And to think, how, how could I ever forgive a father like that? How could I ever forgive someone? Run us out, run us out, run us out. Mean, 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 mean. He was mean, man. And to think, where can I go to a place to forgive him? And, and in that moment, to, to be able to, I was so thankful that I was able to go back to my father and, and, and find that forgiveness and to be able to walk out from 2001 to 2008, a relationship with my dad every day, to call my father every day, hey, pops, hey, son, what's up? How are you? How are you doing? And, and, and one that he knew the way to freedom. He knew. He knew life wasn't over for me. When I failed, he was there to pick me up. But it's not about the natural father, church. It's about the audience of one. God the Father, Abba Father, the Daddy of all. For the one who reached down at the gates of hell and said, Grady, come here, son. Get up here. And I, I, um, I was reading Ephesians Ephesians 1, 4, for he chose us, and in him before, for he, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, he, he chose us, and in him before creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his right and love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ 
in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us, the one he loves, in him we have redemption. It was predetermined. Our whole lives have been predetermined. Before we were ever born, it was predetermined. And, and to think that, wow, God, you knew. You knew this. As David said, it was good I was afflicted. It was good that I was afflicted. Because of my affliction, my self-affliction, I'm, I'm, I was able to go to a place to, to receive grace, to be able to receive that so I understand it. If you've never been afflicted, you're, you're missing this whole thing. You, you need seven great steps to great leadership or something. But if you've been afflicted, you know what I'm talking about. It hurts. I know it hurts. But you know what? God takes the sting out of it. The scars are still there. The scars are still there. They'll never go away. I, I, I get to walk into coffee shops all the time and people go, oh, there he is. You know, like I got the plague or something. It's like, yep, there I am. It's like I tell people when I meet them, say, hey, my name's Grady Shope. They, I said, yep, all the rumors are true. Next. Like we can move on now to the rest of the conversation. Because I'm saying, hey, it's all true. I'm here. I'm transparent. Yes, I did it. Whatever it is, I did it. I'll take the blame for it. You know? But I, I remember the day that I was faced with a man, and, and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've messed up. I'm sorry. This man said, get away from me. And all I knew was I said, look, you can take my family, you can take my check, you can take my ministry, but you can't take what's in here. Amen. And I, I know, I know in my darkest place, I've never got mad at God. I've never got mad. I, never, I don't understand when people say I'm mad at God. I don't understand that. I just never got mad because I understood that there was something inside of me. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't touch it. I couldn't feel it. And you know, church, you know when you're hurting, there's a time when you, people cry out, and they cry out, Abba, Father, and they cry out the name of Jesus. And, I, and there's just something about that sweet name of Jesus. There's something about it. You know, I don't, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're here and you, you're like, hey, man, I, I can't connect with you, Brady. I don't understand God. I don't understand forgiveness. I don't understand that. I'm telling you, there's grace to understand it. There's grace for it. I don't care what you did this morning. If you got out of bed with your girlfriend to come to church with your wife, I don't care. God says, there's grace. There's grace because the price was paid. It was nailed to the cross. There's something about that sweet name of Jesus. Jazz. Jesus. Jesus.
Somebody give him glory. Somebody give him glory. Come on. Somebody give him glory. He's a redeemer. How many know he's a redeemer? Come on, somebody. He's a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh chances. Anybody been redeemed? Anybody touched his grace? Hallelujah. Anybody felt his mercy? Anybody felt his love? Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Hey, stay to your... Keep standing. You know, um, 
all, all this all this happened for me in September and seven years this this laid this laid dormant I felt like this word wasn't for me no I thought it was mine no more I thought it was good for you but it wasn't good for me I, I never even opened it didn't want to read it felt like felt like it just I was thrown out to be nothing more than rubbish the leftovers the scraps the day I opened this thing up started reading it I was digging in John 6 started reading Jesus fed the 5,000 and we all know the story but we always it was I just kept reading through there and God, God was like Grady keep reading when they were finished feeding the 5,000 Jesus they were cleaning up putting all the chairs up they were sweeping putting everything away Jesus looked at his disciples and said go get my leftovers nothing 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 will be wasted and that's how I felt for the past seven years. I felt I was nothing more than the leftovers. I felt like I'd been thrown out in the street, thrown to the curb, put away. I really can't tell you the whole story because, because of time and I'm, I've run over, I apologize. But I've done something that I've had people tell me I would never do because for whatever reason, you know, I'm just a down deep inside of me, I'm just a good old country redneck. You know? Little redneck, little country. Probably should have been black. I asked my mama one time, and she, she'll vouch for this. I said, Mama, will you? I said, please tell me that's not my real daddy. Uh, and she said, son, I'm sorry, that is your real daddy. But I, I've done something that that people said I wouldn't do. I, I wrote my first book titled Scraps. This is, this is the whole story. Good, it's good. It's good. And when you leave today, I'm going to give this book to everyone in here. I want you to have it. I want you to have my story. It's my seed to sow back into your life, to be able to say, hey, God is who he says he is, and God's not finished if you're breathing the air of this world, God's not finished. You're really not the leftovers. You might be to the world, but for God, nothing is wasted. And so when you leave today, when service is finished here in a minute, I, uh, um, we're going to have communion here in a second. But when, when we're finished today, myself, my family will be at the back door. I'm gonna, I want to give you this book. I want to hug your neck. Um, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my friends. Thank you for standing in the gap with me. Thank you for receiving me when I was cross-eyed and, you know, stumbling around. And one thing about me is if you hang out with me long enough, Grady Shope don't skin his knee. See, some people skin their knee and nobody knows about it because they just put their jeans on. But I dismember arms and legs and <laughs> I mess it up really good. But, but God redeems it all. And I, uh, I thank you. I'm, I'm very thankful today for this church.
Um, I'm blessed. Um, I love you, Shooks. I love you, Jordan. I love you, Allie. I love you, Kelby. I love you, Mom. I hate my father's not here to see this, but I'm sure he sees it. But I'm so thankful for a mother because there's no father without a mother. My mom has loved me, loved me, loved me in, in everything I've done. My story is about redemption with my father, but it wouldn't happen without the love of a mother. My mom ain't but about four foot 11, and can you believe she birthed this thing? I love you. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you.